Joshua 1, 2 through 6. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, the Lord speaking to Joshua, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. For every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. He says he's already given it. Okay, I've given it unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. What a comfort, amen? I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. We're just going to stop there. It's a wonderful passage. It's a wonderful, exciting thing. This was the building up of all the what God had promised Abraham, really. Not only a nation, but this promised land that they would be captives and slaves in, in Egypt for 400 years. And after that time, the Lord would bring them out. He brought them out with the high hand of God. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience, Jordan is about to lead the people into the land and he already gave it to them. You could say he gave it to him in Abraham, you know, 440 or 480 years before this. And he says it here, it's the land I have given unto you every place where your soul, the sole of your foot treads. It's specifically saying to Joshua, have I given thee? I've already given it to you. But like we talked about last week, we have to tread it out, so to speak. It's given to them. It was given to Joshua and he marked out the borders. Remember, we talked about this last week. It doesn't mean anywhere you go is yours. It means everywhere where the sole of your foot treads within these borders that he gave, I've given to you. It's yours. And so over and over, the children of Israel were told to go in and what? Possess the land. Not just... It's there. Go enjoy the land. They had to first possess the land. And there are a lot of correlations, a whole lot of correlations between that and the, the spiritual life of the believer. There are earthly people. Israel is an earthly people with earthly covenants from the Lord. Uh, he has an eternal covenant with them through Abraham, through uh, Isaac and Jacob and through David, a Davidic covenant as well. He has uh, an eternal covenant with the nation of Israel. But there's a lot of there are a lot of similarities between that, that we are not stretching it, you know, to, that we can make between Israel possessing the promised land and fighting the enemies and so forth in the life of a believer. And it's not just salvation. What we're talking about in this study is the life of a believer, walking it out, possessing the land. When Israel entered into the land, it was already theirs by what? Inheritance. That's important to understand. When they entered into the land, what they were entering into, they didn't have to fight to acquire it, so to speak. They didn't have to fight to take it from not being theirs to being theirs. They had to fight to possess it, to experientially uh, live in it. 
and enjoy enjoy the houses and enjoy the fruit enjoy the let their cattle graze there and raise their children there and live in houses that they didn't build and eat from vineyards that they didn't plant and you understand what I'm saying they had to to fight to to possess it to make it theirs by experience it was already theirs by inheritance because God gave it to them so Honestly, if, if there was only one thing that we got from this lesson tonight, try to correlate that and relate it to our lives in, in Christ. Because this is a, a sound teaching through the Bible. The Bible says that God has given us all things in Christ Jesus. He's given us these victories in Christ over every sin, every temptation. It's already our inheritance in Jesus, the sinless, spotless one who never sins. Okay? And... And yet, for me to experience that, I have to be obedient to the Word of God. I have to possess it. We possess it in prayer. We possess it by faith. Okay? By faith, we lay hold on it and we make it ours. And we say, it's mine, but I'm sitting back here. It's like this beautiful, bright sanctuary all lit up is ours. And we could be sitting in a dark closet looking at it saying, yep, that's mine. That's my sanctuary with a nice, new, great, comfortable chairs with the lumbar support. You know, that's mine. But we sit in a dark closet and we don't, uh, we don't realize it. We stand in a dark closet and don't, you know, enjoy it. There's so much in Christ like that. I think that the majority of Christians, and let's just talk about truly born again people. I, I believe a majority of truly born again people come short of our inheritance. I'm talking about in this life. We're going to receive all He has for us in heaven and we'll walk in the new Jerusalem one day on the streets of gold and, and there'll be no more pain and no more tears. The Lord will wipe those away. All that will be ours. That is ours. And it's not going to be spoiled or defiled or anything like that. But in this life, I think we can come short of walking in the peace of God, walking in the power of the Lord. You know, for example, these signs shall follow them that believe. And we come short of that. We believe it. We check it off on our doctrine and say, I believe that. I'm a Pentecostal believer. And I believe those promises are for today. But we don't walk in it. Uh, or maybe we seldom walk in it. You know, rarely walk in it. And so, what we can learn from Joshua and God's dealing with Israel as they went into the promised land is a lot of things. Joshua had to plant his foot on we talk, this is kind of how we ended last week. He had to plant his foot, so to speak. Joshua just representing the people, okay? And being their leader on the, on the necks of those enemies of that land. Now, we don't have time to read all these, the Pentateuch, where, 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 where all these books are telling them how I'm going to drive the enemy out before you and all that. We know that those were promised victories over very specific people in the land of Canaan, the Canaanites. But they still had to go fight them. In the first battle of Jericho, the walls just fell flat. And when the walls fell flat, all the Israelites had to go forward into the city, right? With their weapons. And every place might have been a little different, but in one sense it was always the same. God assured them the victory. The battle might have taken a different nature or God did it a different way this time. But they were short of the victory, yet they still had to go fight. As long as God wants it to be this way, He wants it to be that way. He wants you to get up 
And like the Lord's Prayer says, give me this day my daily bread. We don't pray, give me all the bread I'll need till the rapture. Why? Because He wants us to trust Him day by day. Bite by bite, so to speak, if it's our bread. He wants us to trust Him in, in, through the journey. Like we talked about, it's a, it's a journey. It's a battle. And yet that's where the, the joy is. There's joy in that. There's not just joy in the rapture and in heaven. There's joy in knowing this great God in the midst of a dark, perverse, wicked world. There's, there's joy in knowing the joy of the Lord, which is our strength in the midst of calamities, in the midst of national uh, calamities and things like that, or personal trials that we go through. It's, and the Lord wants us to walk it out. And so, y'all, this, this is related to our lives. You and I, let's talk about just victories that, that in our lives over sin. Specific sins in your life. I'm not asking you to tell me what they are. Specific sins in your life. Faithlessness. You don't trust God the way you should. Uh, worldliness. We just kind of drift off. We find ourselves in the world, but we know we belong to Christ. Uh, whatever it may be. Uh, ashamed of the gospel and we don't share it with anybody. Things like that. These are sinful things. Whatever is not a faith is sin. We have to put our heel in the name of Jesus on the necks of those things because they're not your friend. They're your enemy. Okay? Fear, pride, covetousness, lust, greed, uh, whatever, a cold heart. These things are sinful. They're not just uh, character flaws. They're sinful. God is the answer for sin. The blood of Jesus washes us clean, but what gives me the victory over it? And those are two different things. If I sin a thousand times and genuinely turn to Christ to confess and turn from it, He'll forgive me a thousand times, a million times, ten million times. No questions asked. But if I want victory over that thing to where I'm not having to come for the million and one time, okay? I just, I want to be free from that. Well, hasn't he already, already won victory over sin and the devil and the grave? And didn't Jesus already win that? And isn't it already mine in Christ? Yes. But he wants me to walk in that. And to walk in that, uh, we're going to have to hear him. We're going to have to study his word. We're going to have to be led by the spirit. We're going to have to be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. We're going to have to obey. Not in order just to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith, right? But even in that, we had to obey. We had to believe the gospel. We had to repent. We had to give our life to Christ. We had to come to Him. We had to humble ourselves before the Lord. We had to believe this everlasting gospel, right? Even in salvation, there is a measure of obedience. But to walk this thing out, we have to obey the Lord. And to know what to obey, we need to go to the Word of God and be led by His Spirit. I'm not talking about every now and then. I'm talking about daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you reading it real quickly to get it done and throwing it up on the shelf? Or are you going to it and sitting before the Lord and letting Him speak to you through, your, through His Word? When you close your Bible, are you taking it and saying, God, make this me? Make what I read today about Joshua and, and you know, being strong and of good courage. Lord, I'm not strong and I'm not of good courage. Not regularly. 
I want to be, Lord. Help me. Take the Word of God and make it yours and, and seal it. Let the Lord seal it by the Holy Ghost and He will do it. He is a faithful God. I want to look at two Scriptures real quickly. Uh, we'll turn to Romans 8.13 and then we'll go to Colossians 3.5. Okay, Romans 8.13 says, For if we live after the what? The flesh. Ye shall die. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The Spirit, the flesh. Okay, the Spirit, the flesh. They're contrary one to another. They're not the same things. We still have a fleshly body, but everything about the Christian life is walking after Christ and walking by faith and walking out in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit, thinking in the Spirit, uh, doing everything by the Spirit of the Lord, not by our own fleshly nature. So if we live after the flesh, we're going to die. But if we, through the Spirit, do something, there's something we have to do. And that's really why I wanted to read this scripture. What are we supposed to mortify? Do we mortify the devil? Do we mortify sin, all the sins of the world? No, Jesus, Jesus has that victory himself. But this has to do with living. If we live after the flesh, we're going to die. But if we, through the Spirit, through the Spirit means by the power of the Holy Ghost, by His might, by His ability, by the Lord's Spirit, the eternal Spirit, if we, through the Spirit, do something, what do I have to do? Mortify. That just simply means kill. That's Joshua putting his heel, not saying, we got those Canaanites beat. It's Joshua going in there and beating the Canaanites. Literally taking them. Not saying, God promised us that land so those Canaanites are nothing. I'll just sit back here and wait till they all drop dead. God says, go possess the land. I've given it to you. So you are assured of a victory. And our assurance of the victory is God who can't lie. And He tells us that if you through the Spirit mortify or put to death the deeds. This has to do with the deeds. This has to do with your practice. If you mortify the deeds of the body, that, that would be outworkings of sinful behavior, sinful thoughts, sinful behavior, uh, practicing sinful things, okay? Rarely or, or often, often or frequently. We have to put those things to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's not a plan B. I say all the time, there's this plan. This is what God, there's forgiveness endlessly when it's sincere repentance, okay? Forgiveness endlessly. The question here is not forgiveness. The question is here, do you want to possess the land, Joshua? Do you want to enjoy those houses over there in those cities and those vineyards? Do you want to enjoy and really occupy the land God has given you? You can bring your family up there and have peace all around and raise your children and your grandchildren and worship the Lord and the Lord be in the midst of you. Do you want that? Or you just want to know it's promised to you and never actually experience it? That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about forgiveness. That's assured when we turn to the Lord uh, sincerely and genuinely. All right, so Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Very similar. Mortify. Colossians 3, 5. Mortify. It's the same word. Therefore, your members... Again, deeds, physical things. I'm not winning, personally, I'm not winning the victory over sin. I'm, I'm using God's power, instruments and power by faith 
through the Holy Spirit to walk in the victory over sin in my own personal life. Me personally. I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. He's telling every believer, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, he just named some. This is not an all-inclusive list, but fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Alright, so we'll just stop we'll just stop right there as far as that passage goes. But do you see that there's something we're called to do? This is not salvation by works. Don't let anybody tell you that this doctrine or teaching, oh, he preaches works, he's a legalist. All I've done is read three scriptures, one Old Testament and two New Testament. Okay? This is what God is telling us to do. We don't earn our salvation. And we don't even empower ourselves to walk out this salvation. It's by the, by the Holy Spirit. It is by faith. But faith obeys. By faith. Just start reading uh, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. By faith, Noah built the ark. What did he do? He didn't just say, I believe an ark's going to appear here. By faith, Noah built the ark. He literally cut boards. Okay? And put the tar or whatever on the outside to make it watertight. And so, but, but God enabled him to do that. The man could not have done that. God enabled him to do it. So the glory goes to God. By faith, he did it though. He built, right? And so by faith, we're to walk in, in these victories that God has given us. We're to go take it and to walk in it. And I'm just going to read this for time's sake. If you're taking notes, this is a good little study. Exodus 23, 39, I mean 29 through 30. The Lord said, this is before this, but he's foretelling this moment when Joshua would go in. He said, I will not drive them out, the Canaanites, before you in one year. I know that you've heard this before, but I'm paraphrasing, but little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Now what can we learn from that? It's not like they got to the Jordan River. God blew a big strong wind. And blew all the Canaanites out. You know like he blew the, the locust out of Egypt. When, the, when, the, when that was one of the plagues. You know he brought a strong wind and blew them all out. Uh, he didn't blow all the Canaanites out for example. He, he let them. If the land's this big. Okay, and they're crossing the Jordan River. They, they fought a battle right here and they possessed it. And then when God said, now go take this land right over here to the east. Okay, and they possessed that land. Now they've got this and that. And they have people there. Hebrew people there that are dwelling there. And then we're going to take, take this land and take it and possess it. And eventually, God's driving them all out, but He's doing it little by little. It was not a barren land. And he even gives a reason why. One of the reasons, he says, because the beast would multiply and eat you up. There would be, be a lion explosion, you know, or whatever, some kind of explosion of animals. And, and they, would, they would take over the land. He wanted them to possess it when they really could handle it, I guess you'd say, when you, they really could take it and occupy it. And so it's saying for us, God doesn't just say, Every temptation, every trial that you have that causes you to trip up and fall or that you struggle with, 
I'm ridding you all of that the day you said I do to Jesus and gave your life to Christ. We know that that's not how it works. It's just like this. He wants us to possess it. He wants us to put our, our heels on the neck of a particular enemy of a sin and, and stand there and, and say, this, this is a victory God's given me. You may share it one night, five years from now. You might get up in this pulpit and say on a night where we're giving thanks and praise on a prayer night and say, y'all, y'all didn't even know this, but for the last five years of my salvation, I struggled horribly with this. And it, it was terrible in my life. And God helped me to trust him. And you know what? He brought me to a place of victory. I'm not perfect. He showed me other things in my life that I need to deal with now. But that is a place I'm standing in victory. And I want you to know it. I want there's there are things like that. Those things are real. And he wants us to walk in that and to stand in that. And so all their days, and same for you and me, all of our days on this earth, just know it. All of our days on this earth. If you're old and in a nursing home, okay, and can't get out and go do anything, you're still, all the days of our life, we're taking new territory. We're supposed to be taking new ground in Jesus. Possessing new territory in the Lord. And... They, there were nation, there were nations that were mightier. The Lord said that at Joshua, there are seven nations greater and mightier, mightier than you are. But you're going to take them. And the same for us. The old life that we're trying to rid, that we're trying by the cross, not just the blood of Jesus washing sin away, the old carnal nature that we're trying to mortify, okay, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is stronger than us. There are enemies in your life stronger and greater than you are. But they are not stronger and greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit in you. That's why it's if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Mortify. Get up and do it. Okay? Get up and do it. You're going to have to bathe all that in prayer. Lord, help me. Show me what I need to mortify. Show me what I need to do. He might give you a game plan. Like he told Joshua and the Israelites, march around Jericho. That's the first battle they fought, right? March around the city six days on the seventh day. March around seven times. Don't say a word. Just have the priest blow the trumpet. You know, we never repeated that. We never see that ever repeated in the history of mankind. That was his plan for that. So he'll show you. He'll show you what your game plan is, but you've got to walk closely to Jesus to hear him. What worked last week or for the last sin that God gave you a victory over for somebody else that shared how God helped them. I can share this with you. all I know I have before when when I was a, a carnal, compromising, worldly Christian. And I was. And I'm still not perfect, but I'm not a carnal, compromising, worldly Christian. But I was when I was that. The Lord told me I had to make a clean break from all those friends that I grew up with. I had to make a clean break. I might say, well, can I hang out with this one a little bit? Maybe that one. He's not such a bad guy. I mean, the Lord said, I want you to make a clean break one day, one stand, make a clean break, come out. That's how he told me to do it. And he told me, you better do it. You better do it. 
This is your moment of truth. As a Christian, he's telling me, this is where I'm dealing with you right now. This is your, how you're going to do it. Now, can I preach that to everybody? Do it exactly like I did it? Certainly would have come out and be separate, maybe. You know, maybe it'd be a little different for, from you. That's how he told me to do it. That is what was needed in my life. I needed a clean break. And I share that testimony, and I can stand on that testimony, and I can say, God delivered me from the opinions, to a great extent, from the opinions of my peers and men. And the fear that I wouldn't have a friend in the world, because that's what the devil kept, kept telling me. You'll be a loser. You won't have a friend in the world. Okay? Nobody's going to understand. You're going to be some weirdo. All the things he kept trying to tell me, and I believed, and I said, yeah, devil. I didn't say, yeah, devil, but I said, that, that's how it's going to be. I believed it, I believed it, I believed it. And God says, you're going to believe me. <laughs> do what I'm telling you to do. Next morning, here we go. Here's my friend picking me up from school. He called me two days ago. He does know the Lord now, praise God. Uh, and I had to tell him, hey, Mike, gave my life to Jesus. I'm, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Now, I had to give my life to, to the Lord five years before that. But it was now that I'm time to start possessing some land. And it was going to cost something. And there would be, but this was God's plan. And this is how he, he did that in my life. And I know you have similar testimonies as well of what the Lord's doing. And so there will, we're going to possess things. It's a continual process. We're going to possess little by little. We're going we're gonna to possess what, what he wants us to possess. Now, the first battle that they fought, we said this was, uh, was Jericho, right? This would have been the most incredible, uh, unbeatable city when you read about it. I mean, the, the walls of the city are so big, people's houses are on top of the wall. I mean, that's not just a little wall, okay? And the, the, the city was shut up and tight and safe and secure. Anyway, the Bible says that the Lord, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. They took it, didn't they? God said they would. Do what I tell you to do. They took it. I mean, that's a sermon for another day. But it was... And it goes on to say that, uh, that they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. So by faith they took it, the walls fell, and they utterly, that means like completely, totally destroyed everything that was in the city. So I have a question for you. Did, did Israel and Joshua have to go retake that city every other day? Obviously not. That was to be one where you stand. Every new victory, as I said, is not just, you shouldn't have to fight the same battles over and over. There's some where he, he gives us a victory, and when he really gives us a victory, he wants us to stand in that. The only way I'd have to refight the battle, say with my friends kind of thing, and what, thinking about what my peers thought, would be if I compromised. If I compromised. And kind of went back into that mindset. There's a little fear that goes with that. And wanting to be accepted by people. And pride and whatever. you all, It's all sin. The only way I'd have to refight that battle. And take that exact same ground again. Is if I compromised. Y'all understand that. They did not have to fight Jericho again. 
The walls fell flat and they utterly destroyed all that was there. The only way they would have to have fought that battle or any of the battles is if they compromised. And sadly, they did compromise a lot of other places, but we're to be strong. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read this in uh, in 1 John chapter 3. We read these scriptures last week. 1 John chapter 3. Well, I really think the Lord's speaking to our church in this series. I really do. I think He wants us to lay hold on it. The, the truths, the, the main things. We won't remember every sermon and every, because there are many sermons in this series, but He's, he's, he's being gracious to us. And he's really bringing this forth to us. 1 John chapter 3, 5 and 6. And you know, and remember this is written, this epistle is written to Christians. He's not writing to lost men. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen Him, neither known Him. Skip down to verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. All we, we tried to clarify this last week. doesn't mean a Christian can't sin. We have, this is one of those times you'd have to know sinneth. And it's talking about present ongoing. Whoever is born of God does not continue as a pattern or as a lifestyle in sin. If, if I was lost and in my sin and someday I just made some uh, vain profession to the Lord about Christ and Christianity and just kept right on sinning and was never born of His Spirit. You see, but he that's born of God, it doesn't say you'll never sin. It says he cannot sin. And the word there means as a continual practice pattern. He cannot. He cannot. Not he will not. He cannot. It's impossible to live in a pattern of sin if I'm born again. A practice of sin. Right now we're to practice walking in Christ. And he says in verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. If Christ is sinless and spotless and not tempted by any sins at all, and I'm abiding in him, that's a safe house. That's a safe shelter from sin to be. And I will never sin. Never. If at any and every given moment I'm abiding in Christ. I have to literally break out of, uh, to some extent, break out of that fellowship with the Lord and depart from the Lord, even if it's for 15 seconds, okay, for me to commit a sin. Because He sins not. And His Holy Spirit in me sins not. If I'm abiding in Christ, I'm not sinning. I have to depart from that. And so, the the... There's victory in that. And they were to stand, the Israelites were to stand in that victory. And I guess in one sense, it's sin not. In other words, that place was their possession. At least here, we're finding a practical victory. we got the whole land to possess, but we've already got place number one. And it's fully ours. Fully and completely ours. God says, okay, next Tuesday we're taking place number two. You know what I mean? He, he would lead them and guide them. And they were to keep moving all the days of their lives. They were rebuked at the end of Joshua's life because he said there's still much land to be possessed. They were slack. 
and possessing the land, and there was a rebuke to them. It was a shame to them because they should have possessed it. They could have possessed it. There was time to possess it. There was the strength and power of God to possess it had they just kept marching. But maybe they got comfortable in some particular place and said, you know, that's a pretty valley over there that I would like, but I already got my place. I'm good here. And maybe it was like that. You know, I don't know. But they became slack and they didn't take their, their promised places. And so, again, it's only compromise that keeps us having to refight the same battles again because we shouldn't have, have to do that. Okay? Um, once there was a city of, uh, it was later changed to Zion, okay? This, the city were of Jerusalem, but Mount Jebus, okay, it once defied David and said, who's David? He's not going to be our king. Who's David that we have to obey him? This whole city of people defied him. For, 400, for about 400 years, that city had defied Israel. But the Bible says, nevertheless, when it was time, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion and it became his capital. So it defied him, defied him, but it was time. He took it and he possessed it. Zion, okay? Jerusalem, where the temple was built and so forth and where the new temple in the uh, millennium uh, will be and so forth. And so... There and I'm, I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but there there might be things um, that seem in, in your life that you're not able to take. Again, I'm not asking you to tell me what they are. There might be things in your life you know that you're saved, but it almost to you it seems impossible to get Jericho, to get victory in this area of fear, of worry, of anger of whatever it may be. And God wants us to take it. He wants us to take it because we got we have one greater than David in us. Jesus Christ who can take that stronghold. And he wants us to take that stronghold and he wants us to set up right there and it it to be ours. He doesn't want us to refight that battle again. There are things he wants us to make real progress and gain real ground. And I guess the Lord, the Lord really wants us to know that. And I feel like I'm going to, maybe a little early, but I feel like I'm going to close with this, this thought. And turn with me to Romans chapter 5. There are going to be new crises in your life. As Christians in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord is the righteous and there's the Lord of the righteous. But the, the Lord delivereth him, him out of them. Most of them notice that the Lord delivered him out of them all. And you're going to and I'm going to have another battle to fight doesn't mean it has to be miserable, that our whole life is just miserable. God doesn't say that. I don't believe that it has to be that way. But I, I do believe there are real, genuine victories, personal victories that we experience. And He wants us to walk in those. So I wanted to read this from Romans chapter 5, verse 17, Then we'll close in 1 John. Romans 5, 17. For if 
by one man's offense. That's Adam. This whole passage is contrasting the first Adam who sinned and the second Adam, Christ, who came to redeem us from sin. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one Jesus Christ. I wanted to read that because it talks about reigning. Joshua reigned. You see what I'm saying? He didn't just fight, fight, fight all the time. He fought and he conquered and he reigned. He reigned in Jericho. David took Zion, that city that defied Israel for 400 years. He set up his capital there. He reigned there. This is mine. Bam. God gave it to me. I'm hanging on to it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to walk in Zion. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to enjoy Zion. And God wants us to reign. We reign through Christ. We have to come. This whole series is on the cross. Cross in the life of a believer. Not just the blood of Jesus to cleanse our sin, but the cross of Jesus that we're dead to this old man and this old life and walking in that victory. We're going to close with two scriptures. First John, turn with me to chapter 5. Let's, let's read 3 through 5. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. They're not a burden. They're actually for a purpose. Amen? For whatsoever is born of God. What does it say here? It's a wonderful scripture. Whatsoever is born of God. Let me ask you tonight. Are you born again? Are you born of God? Are you born of the Spirit of the Lord? I didn't say are you perfect and sinless. I said are you born again? You either are or you aren't. If you're not, you need to be and you can be tonight. If you are born of God, then this is you. <clears throat> Whatsoever is born of God overcometh what? The world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. This is why the Bible says, Likewise reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ the Lord. Count it by faith. Reckon on it. And walk in that faith. And abide in Christ. And walk in obedience to the Lord. How? By faith. Couldn't obey Him any other way. But whatever's born of God overcomes the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the one that's born again. Really believes it in their heart. And is born again. And uh, D, you can come on up. Now we're going to close with that. I just personally am very ministered to by a lot of these, these truths. That God wants us to walk in it. I always think the practical things are the best things. <clears throat> they're not shallow at all. They're deep. They're practical though. And they're for the life of the Christian. For those that are born again. And so these altars are open. We're just going to pray. Maybe there's a stronghold in your life. Maybe you do want to share it with me and I can pray with you or share it with another strong believer that you know you can trust. But you know you can share it with the Lord. And He wants you to possess new ground. Don't be intimidated by the battle. You're going to have battles. Israel and Joshua had battles. We're going to have battles. 
but through the Spirit we mortify these things. He that's whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That would be everything in the world. That would be the particular temptations that you struggle with. That would be your own flesh and carnal nature. Your own fears and worries. It, it overcomes all of that. Whatever is born of God. It's by the Holy Spirit. So Father, we just come before You tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, we love You. Lord, we need You tonight, God. I need You. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world, Lord. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even Your faith. And God, we come tonight before You by faith. And Lord, where our faith is weak, we ask You to strengthen it. The disciples pray, Lord, increase our faith. God, I pray that. Lord, increase my faith. Help me to walk in the, in the, and fight the battles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me to gain new ground in Christ. What is already promised to me, the promised land for the believer. Help me to walk in it. Help me to set my heel on the neck of the enemy and, and possess the land that you've given me. Help your people to do that for your God, for your sake, for your glory, God. Fill us with your spirit tonight, God. Give us wisdom. Give us an understanding of your word. Give us the faith to walk in obedience to Christ and to the word of God. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us, God. Tonight, we're coming to you as weak vessels saying, Lord, strengthen us and help us, God. In Jesus' name.